Because what would happen if you continue to eat poorly, you didn't put the time and energy and focus into it, and you continue to eat poor quality, low vibrational food every day, by the time you eventually achieve the success that you're wishing to achieve, yeah. what's going to happen to your health? You won't have the vitality and the longevity and the radiance that you want to do all the things that you love to do. So playing now in the field of high vibrational nutrition to help you achieve your high vibrational success is what you want to be doing. Welcome to the Chai Chat Podcast, solutions for empowered living, engaging, educating, empowering. Each week, your host, Tarun Puri, author of Finding the Guru Within, and Steve Harvey, mindset mentor to A-list celebrities and stars, bring a combined expertise of over six decades in mentoring, coaching, and inspiring positive solutions to the negatives which keep us stuck and unhappy. With a focus on solutions versus problems, in each episode, they discuss topics relevant to the human condition which challenge us from moving forward into positive growth and ultimate freedom. Through stream-of-consciousness unscripted dialogue and inquiry, they provide practical, deep, and actionable insights to support you in creating and living a happy, successful, fulfilled life. Join us each week and learn how to access your own inner GPS, your guru positioning system, which comes preset with all the solutions you need for empowered living. Living a life of ease versus effort is only a thought away. Let us show you what works and what doesn't. Solutions for Empowered Living. My name is Steve Harvey. And I'm Tarun Puri. And today's episode is Sound Nutrition, Eating for Success. Uh, what a great topic to run. Um, one of the things that we've realized is that how important nutrition is to having a, a healthy and successful lifestyle. 100%. Yeah. And today's uh, guest is um, someone I've known for many years and uh, someone who I've actually worked with in the trenches, so to speak, uh, at a clinic we both worked at a uh, number of years ago. Um, her name is Amy Bondar. She's a healer, a teacher, a coach in nutrition, nutritional psychology. And let me tell you, Tarun, you know, you and I know a lot of people in the healing arts industry, but you'll be hard-pressed to find someone who is as passionate uh, about health and nutrition and personal growth as Amy Bondar. Um, a little bit about Amy. For nearly two decades, She's been inspiring, educating, and guiding her clients and audiences to realize the significant impact the body, that body, mind, and soul nourishment has on achieving optimal wellness. She began her career as a social worker, specialized interest in helping people with eating disorders, and she was fascinated about the psychology behind why people struggle with food and weight. Um, and, uh, and so after helping to create one of Calgary's first eating disorder programs, she decided that she wanted to share her own love for health and nutrition with others in a more uplifting way. And so she became a nutritional therapist and over time, a certified eating psychology coach. You know, there's a, a million and one different nutritionists out there, but there's not so many people that have a specialty in certified eating psychology um, and her mission for every client is to find a sacred loving and meaningful connection with food life body and self so that they can discover how to live their most vibrant energetic and fulfilling life and you know and it's interesting because you know i i like to talk about ayurveda and how ayurveda says that all life is relationship and one of those most important relationships is our relationship with food. And it's something that I think is is not spoken about enough. So I'm really excited today to welcome Amy on to the podcast to hear, uh, hear her share her wisdom and her experience of helping people um, get in touch with the reasons why they eat and, and, and uh, you know, understanding why they may have some struggles with food. So, Amy, welcome to Chai Chat, the podcast. Welcome, Thank Amy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Tarun and Steve. I'm so grateful to be here with you. 
Along with my excitement, Amy, I'm wondering if I should be a little nervous. <laughs> no, never nervous. <laughs> okay. Food is meant to be celebrated and explored, but never nervous. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Because, you know, who doesn't have food secrets, right? And eating secrets. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, as I often say, it's a collective struggle, but a silent issue. But really, after our conversation today, we'll all feel like we're part of one tribe, <laughs> which is important. Thank you. Okay, yes. thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, Amy, tell me, what do you think is negative emotional eating habit? So these are what I call the in-between moments. And these are the moments where we often veer off of our great nutritional intentions. These unwanted eating behaviors may include binge eating, stress eating, emotional eating, boredom eating, compulsive eating. It may even include chronic dieting, body image struggles, but ultimately it's the moments that take us off those great nutritional goals that we have for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. And is it something that we need to extinguish or fight? No, it's something we need to invite and welcome because okay. these moments are our teachers. These moments offer us opportunity for exploration and transformation. So it's that's a doorway. A, it's a doorway. That's a fre very fresh, refreshing approach, actually, because I would think that you were going to say next, oh, yeah, Tarun, um, you've been ID'd now. Those are negatives. And <laughs> we're going to go in there and we're going to stomp them out. We're going to we're going to lock them down and we're going to control these things. Right. Because isn't that how we deal with these negatives? I mean, in the, in the normal thinking. So, but you're telling me no. Yeah. No. And I think that we've been programmed, you know, for decades being in the diet industry or in the nutritional world that we exist in. We've really been taught to eat all or nothing, all good or all bad. You're on the wagon, you're off the wagon. You're on the diet, you're off the diet. You have to start again Monday. If you eat something you shouldn't, it's bad. We self-judge, we self-hate, we feel guilty about these in-between moments, and yet we never discuss the importance of them and how much value they have to understanding who we are, who we are as eaters, what might be going on in our life that's not feeling in alignment with us. And so, as I said, they are just opportunities, but we never often explored it in this language, in this way. Is that because we only see it as a drawback and haven't discovered the hidden benefit? Exactly, because that's just how we think, right? It's it's all wrong. If you eat something you shouldn't, it's just all automatically we judge it and it's bad. But yet now we want to explore, but how is this moment serving me? What is it teaching me? How is it helping me to grow? What is it helping to reveal within myself that needs work and needs support? So there's a reframing that's very important uh, and that needs to happen in order to heal our relationship with food. That's absolutely powerful. I know in my work uh, with clients, we do what are called awareness reframes. I call it a 180. And that's what I'm hearing you telling me right now that Tarun, it may be time for our friends and hey, yours truly to bring around an awareness reframe as to how I relate to this whole habit, this whole behavior, and maybe see it, understand it, and uh, implement it from a different uh, mindset, maybe, or an energy? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think the key is, is to understand that every emotional eating moment or unwanted eating behavior is really just here to let you know that there's something deeper in your life that's going on that's not feeling good. You know, whether that's in your, your personal relationships, whether that's in your work, whether that's in your financial stress, whether, whether that's in your sexuality, whether that's within your social pressures or social stresses that we're living in. There's always a deeper hidden meaning behind our eating challenges and the gift is to explore them. And I think that's a mistake that, you know, the, the diet industry and so on and so forth makes is that they don't realize that each one of us has a unique relationship with food. And so they use this one, one size fits all and it never works. And so what you're saying, you're creating more of a bespoke program based on who are you and where are you now and where do you want to go? 
100% Steve. And it's so true that every single one of us has a unique and beautiful food story. We're all unique within our biochemistry. We're all unique within our body type, which I know we'll talk about, Steve, with Ayurveda, our dosha. We're all unique within our relationship with food. And yet we are, we're put into the nutritional masses, which just creates confliction, confusion, stress, uncertainty about how and what to eat. And that's really why it's so important to work with a nutritional coach, because you want somebody to support you. Is this nutritional pathway right for you. And that's often the number one thing that's missing when we fall into, uh, you know, the mass nutritional confusion and noise that exists in our in our nutritional world. <laughs> okay, so what you're really telling me is that we shouldn't all be jumping on the keto bandwagon, like because is that the latest or am I behind? You like, might be behind now. That's a couple years ago. <laughs> it's so true. I, you're right, Tarun. Right? Like, no, like, run, run. <laughs> whenever oh. there is a new fad, whenever there is a new diet, whenever there's a new way of eating, please run. Listen, there's always wisdom and knowledge and teachings that come from any of these, you know, uh, fundamental programs, but they're not written for you. And so, sure, we may take some wisdom and pieces from each one of these things and apply them to your own story. But the truth is, is it's really about working with somebody that takes the time to sit with you, to assess all of the pieces of the puzzle that make up your nutritional lifestyle, your nutritional relationship with food, and then have somebody personalize a roadmap for you to help you reach nutritional success or what I call nutritional consciousness. Oh, I love that phrase, nutritional consciousness, where, because that makes me feel like once I can have the awareness of the dynamics, it's like a 3D rather than a two-dimensional approach, then I can uh, take accountability and be become part of the solution. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we, um, we have... I ha I've created a program called Seven Steps to Sound Nutrition, and it really takes people through an evolu evolutionary process of, of eating. And we start, we all start, and many of us are primitive eaters. And what I mean by that is, is that we're just following book knowledge. We're just following the next perfect system, the next right way of eating. We're measuring our food. We're weighing our food. It's a very, uh, what we call in eating psychology, it's a very masculine way of eating. It's just linear. It's one-way systems. <laughs> we want, we'll try it. We want results. But nutrition goes beyond that in so many different ways. You know, I, I, after we learn about somebody's biochemistry and really awakening people to the power of food and how it's going to optimize their health, we then have to explore who they are within their body types. And there's metabolic typing, there's Ayurvedic uh, body typing and doshas, which we'll talk about, Steve. But then beyond that, it's, well, once I know all of this knowledge about my biochemistry, my physical, nutritional world, but then what happens on the day-to-day -day when my stresses start to show up? And then all my great nutritional intentions get kind of thrown or thrown off course because now I'm eating emotionally. So we have to explore the days of the eating emotionally moments, right? We have to look at that. We also have to understand how we adapt our lifestyle and diet for each season that we live in. So we really need to go from this very linear, masculine, primitive way of eating to a much more evolved, feminine, intuitive, conscious way of, of eating. This reminds me of over the years when I've worked with clients in, in their wellness journeys and their emotional work. And part of that may have been they're doing some kind of a cleanse or let's say a cleanse to reset parameters. And, you know, the cleanse had certain timings. Okay, you have your salad at this time. And then three hours later, you have the whatever. And I would just say two things to them when they started the process. And, they, and I'd say, look, Yes, this is a program and it's a process and you're looking to support yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually to change habits and patterns that, that aren't helping you. But there's two things I want you to be aware of. The first thing is that when you go, uh, when, it, when you look at the clock and it tells you it's time to eat or have your smoothie or whatever and you're not feeling like it, don't. Like, just don't. Listen to yourself. And the second one, and they would, this is where their eyebrows would go up and go, what? And I'd say, and the second is that if it's time for you to have your input, your food, and you're feeling angry, don't, right? And they'd look at me 
why would I be angry? And I just smile and I go, my phone is here 24 <laughs> seven. Right. So speak to that a little bit, because I mean, so we go, well, wait a minute, this is a cleanse and I'm going to have a smoothie and salad and lose, a, you know, some pounds. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. There's these deeper things that we have to think about. So you're right. I mean, again, it's about following the, the book knowledge. It's like, okay, I have to follow this plan. I got to eat like this, etc. But what you hit on, Tarun, which is so beautiful, is the importance of intuitive eating. Our body wisdom is our greatest teacher. It is there to guide us, but we often don't listen to what it's telling us. So we'll eat because it's 11 o'clock, but we may not be hungry then. Or we're following the latest intermittent fasting and we have to eat in a window of eight, but yet you're really hungry, but you're not going to eat because you have to sit in the window of what you should be eating in. So body wisdom is essential. It is something that we must learn to connect with. And this is what I teach my clients to do because it guides us. And also when we're eating, it gives us the greatest feedback to let us know if something was working for us or not. So this is really, really essential to let the body guide us in every moment of every day and every season of what it is asking to be nourished with. And then as you mentioned, the second piece there is who are we as eaters? Who's showing up to the table? Because if you're showing up in anger and stress or you're really upset, that completely impacts your digestive response, your metabolism, your nervous system. So when you're showing up and eating in high stress, basically your sympathetic system is fired up. It's turned on. And so what happens when that when that's taking place is your gut starts to shut down. So your parasympathetic state, the rest, the digest phase is very weakened in that state. And so your ability to digest, to absorb, to assimilate nutrients, as well as to metabolize those calories is very much suppressed. So the idea is, is that when we come to the table, we want to be eating presently, slowly, with gratitude, with breath, with time, because that is what creates the most optimum <clears throat> state. I'd like to tell you a little story about that, because, you know, speaking about when we're told that we can't do something and then how the rebel inside comes out, I remember when I was working overseas in the in the Middle East, and we had a, a couple arrive to do one of the the detox programs that the the resort was offering, and clearly the the guy he he didn't want to be there. He was a very successful businessman uh, in the UK who would have businessmen's lunches every day in a restaurant in London. And so here he comes with his wife to the resort to do this, you know, five day detox program. And he doesn't want to be there. And it's very restrictive and they've got to take their, their shakes and everything at a specific time. And, and uh, on the fifth day, I got a phone call from the, the F&B manager in the restaurant saying, Steve, we've got a problem. You know, Houston, we have a problem. And I said, what is it? And he said, well, Mr. Smith has just ordered a triple Wagyu burger and chips. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, what do we do? I said, give him it. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody else around him is salivating probably. Well, exactly. Of course he wanted that, Steve, because he was so stressed out by being... <laughs> By being somewhere he didn't want to be, by thinking yeah. about all the money he had lost in those five days of being on vacation. <laughs> so all of that stress and anxiety of these rules and restrictions and programs that he had to be in probably caused him to want to have a burger and fries. Exactly. And, yeah. and the thing that I always found amazing was that in order to have a, a detox program like that, I really felt that what the resort needed was a proper cafe or restaurant that only served that type of food mm -hmm. but it didn't the people were still going to the regular restaurant for their meals and so they're sitting there with this you know tiny little meal you know on the detox program and they're looking across to the other table with someone who's got a big t-bone steak and tiramisu and vanilla ice cream and <laughs> <laughs> That's very like, challenging. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy, you know. So, yeah, the rebel within. No kidding. Yeah. And as like, we and we, go ahead, Tarun. I'm just gonna say we were just talking about the emotion and cho choosing to eat. Um, are there certain kinds of 
foods that you can relate back to what emotion a person's running or, you know, how their mind is? Like, why would I, I choose A where Steve would choose B? I'm just curious. Yeah, so this is fascinating. So <laughs> I actually learned this from Doreen Virtue. There's a wonderful book. I don't even know if it's in print anymore, but it's called Constant Craving. And so what we do is we look at the possible emotional behavior meaning behind every food we crave. And so every time we eat, there's usually a physical reason behind why we crave a food. There's also an emotional reason and a soulful reason. Mm. So the physical reason, basically, every time we eat, um, there's very specific neurotransmitters, the feel-good hormones that get released with, with, with different foods. And so those neurotransmitters typically are craved, they're needed to help us deal with the situation that we're trying to face. So for example, if you're depressed, you're going to crave foods that have more of a serotonin release. That's often red wine, right? It can also be fatty, greasy foods like burgers, fries, things like that. Oftentimes when we are stressed and have anxiety, we're going to crave more salty, crunchy foods because those foods actually help to ease our anxiety and calm our stress down. And it's actually really interesting because, you know, when, when I'm exploring my client's relationship with food and what they most constantly crave, there's a wide variety between ice cream and chips and cookies and pastas and things like that. But I would say the number one is chips. And the reason I think this is, is because on a physical level, the adrenal glands are glands that help us handle stress, that secrete our stress uh, releasing hormones. They are sodium dependent gland. They need sodium to function. And because majority of people are walking around with adrenal fatigue, adrenal exhaustion, or underactive adrenals, what happens is that they're craving salt on a physical level because they need that sodium to help handle their stress. And so emotionally, those chips are often eaten to help ease the anxiety, ease the tension. And often the theme that comes up is because they're feeling responsible for everything and everyone around them. So that's very interesting. Other people crave coffee and coffee is usually drank because it helps us to give us energy. The same with any caffeine drinks like sodas. It helps to give us energy when we're doing things we don't love to do, when we're doing mundane work. So imagine all the people in coffee shops having uh, coffee breaks during their work days because they need an energy boost because their work is draining. So we can look at every food. And we can look at the physical reason and the emotional reason behind why somebody may crave that. And it will be unique to each of us. And that makes total sense. I'd read this at one point and it's just popped up as you said this. There's a reason in North America and much of the Western world we have at work coffee breaks. Mm. Right? Like we don't have chamomile tea breaks. No, we sure don't. <laughs> right? And I'm glad you bring that up, Tarun, because one of the pieces that I do, you know, when I, when I say that I nourish the body, the mind, and the soul, for me, I spend a lot of time with my clients looking at, are they fulfilled? Are they doing mm. what they love to do? Because lack of fulfillment is the number one reason why somebody will manifest with weight gain that will not budge, with unwanted eating behaviors and with symptoms like chronic pain and fatigue. And so our food is often used to fill that void when we're not doing what we love every day. Food fills the void. Food gives us pleasure when we're not receiving pleasure from our day-to-day -day life. And so even if you think about the last couple of years in the pandemic, food has become a huge, huge uh, emotional support for people because we were restricted. We lost a lot of pleasure in our lives, couldn't do a lot of things for a long period of time. And so a lot of people emotionally ate, stress ate, binged, you know, did binge eating or just got into soulful eating, baking and making sourdough and fermented foods and things like this. So soulfully it's so important to nourish the soul so that we use food to fuel our mission versus eating to fill ourselves up when a mission is not on so the relation yeah so the relationship with food is not different than any other type of relationship then when people make the mistake of thinking relationships is about happiness when in reality it's about fulfillment yes mm. that's yeah. huge yeah yeah.
When we are doing what we are most meant to be doing and when we do what we love, our body finds its rightful place. Our eating also finds a balanced rhythmic state. But when we're not and when we're highly stressed and we're not fulfilled, when we're not living in authenticity to our soul's calling, the nervous system is stressed out. We start getting physical symptoms, our hormones become imbalanced, our eating becomes really emotional and, and all over the place. Uh, and it is, Steve, as you said, it's all linked to fulfillment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I put another way, I, I see this as, of course, everybody knows that, oh, I've heard, when we're in love, then, you know, it's amazing. We don't need anything. We live on air. Like, like, like. You know, and if you have something, you know, maybe when you're in love, you eat a lot more chocolate or that, but it doesn't seem to have a negative impact, right? And 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 it's interesting that whole state of being in love, you know, with that connected, it, it really creates the energy that sustains us in a in an aligned way. And I guess my question would be: so what I'm hearing part of your mission is to say, that's great people. Now I'm going to give you a mirror and I'm going to ask you, can you be in love with you? Mm. And therefore choose truly loving behaviors that will nourish you consciously, right? And support you in, in, the, in, in life, for life. It's yeah. just, that's the way There's my mind. Yeah, there's so much wisdom in that. And I think that for a lot of people, uh, we struggle with body image. We look in the mirror. We don't like what we see. If we're not fulfilled in our life, we don't like ourselves. Um, and so it's very hard to nourish yourself from a conscious place when you're not living in love. And I don't mean romantic ecstasy, you know, mm -hmm. emotional love. I mean love where there's gratitude for what is, where there's mm -hmm. poise, where there's certainty, where there's seeing the perfection in, in everything that's around us. Uh, but when we can treat ourselves from that self-loving conscious state, then we choose to eat food in that same level of vibration. You know it's interesting. I mean? you, yeah, it's interesting you say that, you know, about looking in the mirror because it, this is something that I've been thinking about for a number of years. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if someone could do a little documentary on this? And it would be to take, you know, a certain group of women, you know, from say teens to, you know, later on, and have them first thing in the morning get up and go stand in front of the mirror and look at their naked body, but the viewer would only see their face, right? And, um, but they have to speak out loud. What is the thoughts that they're having about themselves? And I would almost put my money on it, that the, the woman from the so-called first world developed nations, they would have nothing but negative comments about their body. Whereas the, the woman from the so-called so third world countries, they would have a completely different story about their bodies, one of love and acceptance and gratitude, because they haven't been brainwashed by the marketing of what you should and shouldn't look like. Yes, 100%. And you know, funny, Steve, that you said women, but I have to tell you, I've been yes. working with a lot of men the last <laughs> few years, and uh, more and more men, actually, and they struggle with the same thing as women do. I just wrote an article says called It Happens to Men Too. Um, yeah. And men are dealing with the same emotional eating struggles, the same body image challenges, the same pressures from, from media, magazines, and what they're supposed to look like. It's like the dad bod versus the, <laughs> you know, the macho bod, right? But yeah, I mean, in fact, I do take my clients through uh, an, a body image exercise where it really is taking a full scan of their body head to toe and they actually write all of the things they dislike about their body and then we balance that out by taking a look at all of the things they admire and like and love about their body head to toe inside and out and what's actually really interesting is, is that very few people have more negatives than positives but they mm. end up focusing on the negatives, the negatives. more 
Yeah. So the list is actually, there's way more things they admire and like about themselves. And it's just these small few that are like taking up all of the time and space in the energy field. But if we can actually help them to then refocus and look in that mirror every day and look at the things they actually do like and admire and say them out loud, it, it can actually really begin to shift where the energy flows. Right. Mm -hmm. And the self-hate on the body is huge to metabolism because it puts us in the stress response. So the more we hate our body, the more we're storing body fat anyway. <laughs> so we might as well learn to love it and treat it and nourish it well with reverence, with respect, with sacred nourishment so that the metabolic body and the digestive body can function as it's most meant to. So as Bob Proctor says, that what you focus on grows metaphorically and literally. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. And actually, Steve, you know, you were this reminds me when you were talking about when we repress or when we, we, uh, it, you know, we repress what we really want to be eating. When we restrict ourselves, we obsess about that food. And that obsession actually secretes insulin. It secretes cortisol. Okay. It secretes saliva. It secretes the hydrochloric acid in our stomach. So you might as well just eat the food anyway. <laughs> because if you restrict it, you're still creating this stress response that you really don't want to be having. So you might as well eat it from a soulful, enjoyable place without the shame, the guilt that this is bad, you you know, and, um, and really shift that. And I encourage my clients to do that. We have to have soulful eating moments. You know, when we decode our cravings, we always look at the physical cravings, why we might be craving something. Are we deficient in fats or protein or sodium or magnesium, whatever it might be. We look at the mental cravings. Is it because there's an unresolved emotional stress that we haven't worked on and explored and resolved? Or is it just a soulful pleasure? Is it just that you really just love this food and you would love to have it? And if that's the case, then just fully eat it with joy and pleasure mm -hmm. and love. And your body will receive it in such a beautiful way. Yeah. That reminds me of a, of, of a, a client that we both were working with uh, a number of years ago. And uh, she kept sabotaging her nutrition program. And... When I was talking with her about it, I said, you know, so what is it you're craving? And she said, well, sweets. So I went out to the front desk, the receptionist, and asked, anyone get any sweets on you? No. So we'd come back. I said, no, we're out of luck. And she says, you know, while you were away, I got thinking it's not just any sweets, but it's cinnamon rolls. I said, oh, hold on. So I knew there was a Starbucks at the back. So I ran out <laughs> to the Starbucks, and I bought a cinnamon roll. I come back. I said, there you go. She said, are you crazy? I said, no, I'll go for it. <laughs> She's like, but the doctor's down. <laughs> yeah, so I gave telling her the, me not to eat this, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. So I gave her the cinnamon roll, and just as she went to take it, I grabbed it out of her hand, and it got a reaction. She ended up, she burst into tears. And, and I said, what was going on? And she said, you know, Steve, the only person that's ever accepted me unconditionally for who I am was my grandmother. And I said, and she used to make cinnamon rolls? And she said, yeah. Wow. So she had this neuro-associative conditioning of whenever she felt unvalued, insignificant, a lack of connection in her relationship, she reached for the one person who accepted her unconditionally and made her feel valued and significant. But unfortunately, she was no longer alive. But the neuroassociative conditioning was in the form of cinnamon rolls. Wow. So again, the energy of psychology, why we're eating, um, is, is so, so important. Uh, and I'm, I'm so thrilled that you're actually doing so much with this in your work because I think it's been a big missing piece of the puzzle for so many people that's never addressed. And speaking about that, actually, if I could focus in a little bit, because I'm listening to this and me as an individual, I'm interested, I'm relating to this, and I can think of my friend across the street, oh, she could really benefit uh, because I know she's been... We also have a lot of listeners out there that are like all three of us, they're entrepreneurs, okay? And that's, I don't know, maybe we think we're special, but I, I think it's well, a... Not. Certain... <laughs> Uh oh, sorry, Steve. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to let that cat out of the bag on air. But I'm sorry, you know. But we're special, and you know what? Like, 
we've got goals to achieve here, Amy. And, you know, there's only so many hours in a day and, you know, like I, there's a time limit. And, and, and so it's very important that I can focus on getting things done. And so what if I do a drive through or a drive by, or I, you know, kind of push off some of these things. And because, you know, one day, you know, soon, right. When I achieve my success, I, I'll probably then be able to, you know, um, do some of these things that you're saying, because doesn't it take time? Doesn't it take um, energy? And, and, uh, and so can you, do, do you do work with that kind of a thinking or that kind of a special group? Absolutely. I, I love working with entrepreneurs and <laughs> I, I, I just wrote an article not too long ago called how you show up matters. And so when we're working with success and people who have a very high value on achieving success and wealth building and wealth growth, oftentimes health is a lower value. There is not as much time and energy to focus on that and to prepare our meals and to have your snacks at work, etc. But how you show up matters. And so the question becomes is, are you vibrating with success? And what I mean by that is what is what you are eating is it resonating at the same level of frequency that you want your success to feel, right? Or you want your success to be at? So if your greatest goal is to achieve this level of success, are you showing up for that? How are you showing up with your clients? Is your mental focus strong? Are you sharp-witted and are you making and closing deals? Are you having more energy at the end of your day or less energy at the end of your day? Are you waking up the next day ready to go fired up or do you need coffee to drag you through your first morning of your day? And so these are questions that we want to begin to ask our entrepreneurs is how do you want to show up and how is it can your food that you're eating every day help you fulfill and achieve your highest values of success and wealth building? Because what would happen if you continue to eat poorly, you didn't put the time and energy and focus into it, and you continue to eat poor quality, low vibrational food every day, by the time you eventually achieve the success that you're wishing to achieve, yeah. what's going to happen to your health? You won't have the vitality and the longevity and the radiance that you want to do all the things that you love to do. So playing now in the field of high vibrational nutrition to help you achieve your high vibrational success is what you want to be doing. I always so, teach people that. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. So that, just, so that you can enjoy the fruits of your labor. Hundred percent. Know? That's yeah. what it's all about, right? You don't want to achieve all of that and then end up with the with the biggest wake up call of your life—a heart attack, a stroke, or whatever it is, right? And we see this so often in men too. They work and they work, they work, they work, and finally their body gives them a huge feedback, a huge smackdown, because they've neglected the foundation of their being to achieve this high level of, of success. It sounds like we could literally rebrand this session as an investment seminar, because yeah. what you're telling me is that if I'm wise and I invest that energy, time and money and all of it is just energy. So I let, you know, I talk about everything in terms of energy. If I invest that energy wisely, you know, by the, by the time the time moves forward, it's going to have huge dividends for me. Right. And I'm going to be able to have the life that I've worked so earnestly and honestly and, uh, you know, that I wanted to live rather than end up in what I always go regret land. Yeah. And regression land, <laughs> which and, is where your health and your physiology is gravitational <laughs> versus radiational. Right. Yeah. Oh, I love regression land because my twisted mind thinks of a depends commercial. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry that was uh... a. <laughs> I wonder if you can strike that from the record. <laughs> I always teach my clients that everything in the universe has a vibration. Okay. Our body, our cells, if we open up, our, cracked open the cells of our body, there's, there's vibration. Nature is full of vibration. You know, essential oils that I use, they have vibration. Food has vibration. Plant medicine has vibration. And so we resonate with the level of the energy of the food in which we eat. So the more colorful, vibrant, whole, vibrational our food can be, the more our cells begin to vibrate at that same level of energy and frequency. And then we emit that energy out to the world. So in the game of success, it's like, where do you want to play? Do you want to be highly vibrational? Well, if you do, your food is the ticket to get you to play at that level long term. 
And so, so Amy, where do people start then? You know, once they realize the importance of nutrition for success, how do they start? Where do they start? You know. So they begin with a, a 90 minute comprehensive nutritional intake and analysis, right? So I'm really wanting to sit with a client and I want to understand who they are. I want to know their health history, their current health, their lifestyle choices, their weight story, if they have one, their relationship with food, and then do a deep dive into their nutrition so they can understand exactly what's going on and why they choose the food and lifestyle that they do. I also use an advanced NutriBody analysis that helps me to detect nutrient deficiencies, weaknesses in organ, organ systems, hormonal systems, and imbalances within the body. So based on that information, then we can begin the journey. Then we can personalize a roadmap, a nutritional roadmap to help people achieve what they want to achieve, to help relieve symptoms, alleviate conditions, or just move to greater states of energy and vitality. And then it's after that, then the work further continues. Then we go into, well, let me understand my body type. And so we're under helping you to understand your nervous system and how your body uses food for energy so that are you know exactly how much proteins, fats, and carbs you should have and how much food, what food specifically to eat for your unique body type. Then we go into Ayurveda, Steve, where we can really explore your dosha and create a beautiful lifestyle system to help you stay balanced and well. And so my journey just carries and continues through. But along the way, we're constantly watching for the emotional eating moments, those in-between moments. So somebody can't say, well, the program, you know, I'm done. I, I you know, I messed up today. So I might as well just start again Monday or just try something mm. new. It's like, no, <laughs> we get to play together. And I'm watching and we're working together to resolve these in-between moments so they become fewer and farther between. Because there's no such thing as a mess up. Everything serves you. Everything serves. Everything yeah. is a gift. Everything is a teaching. And that's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. Um, I could give an example. I think this can be very helpful for somebody and, and really, really hits on the emotional eating aspect of what can happen for somebody. So you're following your great nutritional program, your path, your lifestyle. And then, you know what? Something happened. Somebody triggered you today and it really stressed you out and it's taking up a lot of time, a lot of space in your emotion, in your mind. And you come home from work and you go to your pantry and you open up a bag of chips and you stand in the pantry and you're just eating out of the bag of chips, standing, eating. Okay. Then maybe you take the bag of chips and you're flipping through your phone, still eating, etc. And all of a sudden your chips are gone and you didn't even realize that you ate the entire bag until you realize, put your hand in there and it's like, oh my God, there's no <laughs> chips left. And then as soon as that happens, what do we do? Buy another bag in, of chips. Get another bag of chips, look for another food to eat. Or we oftentimes go into deep shame and guilt yeah. about what just yeah. happened. I can't mm. believe I just did that. I'm a pig. I can't, like, I have no willpower. I've got to start my program again on Monday. Whatever the negative chatter is. And so what happens is, is that often when we go there, we create more stress, more negativity. And then we often just say, well, screw it. I'm just going to eat whatever I'm going to eat now anyway. And I'm just going to continue eating poorly. What we've forgotten to do, where the missing opportunity was, where we did not stop to ask ourselves, what just triggered that why? binge? What, why? like, why did I even do that? We don't stop. We don't journal it. We don't explore it. We don't talk about it. We just go right into shame and guilt, right? So what I really try to teach my clients is that in the in-between moments, when you know you're going to go and have an emotional eating moment, it's so important to bring yourself back into your body because often when we're eating emotionally, we're eating under stress. And so we're not conscious. But the idea is, is we want to bring ourselves back into conscious awareness, embodiment, so that you can eat slower. So we get the bag of chips and we call this ritualizing the binge. And we get the bag of chips and I tell people, go and put it in a bowl that's really a nice bowl. You know, it's not like your kid's plastic bowl that you're eating from. Go get a nice bowl. Put in as many chips as you think you would like to eat. And then sit down. Not in front of the TV, not in front of your phone or your computer, but sit down at the table and slowly start to eat the chips, to taste them, to experience the experience of eating. And when we do that, we drop into the body. 
and we slow down, we awaken that parasympathetic state and we get conscious. Then we can start to ask wise questions of what was it that triggered me? How is this challenge serving me? What am I meant to learn? How is it helping me to fulfill my highest values? Where is the growth opportunity in this, etc.? So we shift the entire energy field. We shift the entire nervous system. And we move away from that binge stress eating moment to a very transformational eating, transformational eating experience. I do the exact same exercise with people that want to quit smoking. Hmm. I make them smoke the cigarette with focused awareness and they never finish the cigarette. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And they probably realize it doesn't taste as good. No. Yeah. It hurts their lungs, whatever that is. And it's the same with food. You, you realize it doesn't taste as good. It's not really what you want anyway. Right. Um, but it's that conscious slow down state where we can then begin to commune with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So and it's interesting. Really, I was just going to say how I'm hearing that is, Instead of checking out, we check in. Yes. Right? Because it feels like all these behaviors are around. I check out. And then, you know, just like sometimes I'm driving somewhere and I don't quite know how I got there because, oh, we're here already. You know, that was like, oh, oh, where did I go? So we tend to be very good at checking out. And what you're saying here is replace checking out with checking in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and also when you realize that, you know, what's the, when you're having that present moment awareness, you're looking at what are, what are the drawbacks and what are the benefits that you're getting from that food or smoking or whatever behavior it may be. But then once you realize the drawbacks and the benefits, it's then asking yourself, how can I achieve those same drawbacks and benefits or more benefits rather, rather than focusing on the drawbacks, but how can I get the same benefits from a more healthy behavior. Exactly. You know? I think that's there, that's so wise, Steve, because we have to understand what that food or cigarette or whatever it is is offering us. Sometimes yeah. it is pleasure. Sometimes it's comfort. Sometimes it's stress relief. Sometimes it's just a break from work. So whatever yeah. it is that food is offering, we have to get really clear on that, which again will be very specific to the individual. And then yeah. we need to ask ourselves, well, what could I do in replacement of that? I have a client I'm working with right now. He's, he's, he's an entrepreneur trying to achieve success and do great things with his business. And every afternoon he finds himself sabotaging his nutritional uh, lifestyle with, uh, with chips. And uh, the biggest realization for him was, is that he just needed a break. So once we explored what the eating was all about, he literally just needed a break and he had to give himself permission to have a break. So did he need to have it with chips? No, the chips just happened to be there because he could literally just walk into the room and there they were. But what it was is like, I need a break. I need to have some fun. I remember my 20 year old self and I want to be that guy. I want to have some fun. So great. So we found the things that are in easy access in his home or quickly outside of his home that won't take long to do that'll give him a 20 to 30 minute break of fun. And as he started to do that, he barely ate the chips. It's very, very few moments now where he's going to the chips and he's choosing something else. That was just the vehicle. It was just the vehicle, the unconscious vehicle, right? Yeah. 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 I had a lady that I worked with who was trying to quit smoking, same thing. And after the first session, she could, I couldn't even get her to touch the cigarette packet. But a week later, she came back and she had started smoking again. And when I asked her why she thought that happened, it was really interesting what she said. She said, you know, Steve, every time I try and quit smoking, I think people think I'm a bitch. Oh, interesting. And, and then she said, I would rather kill myself than be seen as a bitch. Wow. And so I realized right there and then that her addiction wasn't to cigarettes. Her addiction was for the need for approval. Interesting. 
So then does she have to own the bitch and look at the benefits of being a bitch sometimes? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Exactly. For, yeah. for yeah. those of us who are old enough, we we made her watch uh, uh, Dallas episodes. and <laughs> <laughs> Right? I mean, I know I'm, I'm dating myself, but, you know, I mean, uh, right? It's yeah. like, hey, look, the bitch yeah. gets the, the biggest screen time. Hey. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know, and these are the opportunities, right? Whether it's with your example or mine, like this is where the growth happens, right? But yeah. we just don't give it the space and the nourishment and the the time and the reflection to go there. But man, like what a huge awareness for the stories that you have shared, Steve, with yeah. those clients. And it's like once they have made that awareness, that's transformation. You yeah. know, like that that's another step on the journey. That's yeah. amazing. And to yeah. me, that's exciting. I'm like, this is where the work is, you yes. know, and it's so yeah. often missing. It's missing in the nutritional world. It's it's disappointing, actually, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I guess that's why I'm dedicated to my work, because it's, it's just it's such an important conversation that needs to happen because we relate to food every single day of our lives. And it's our greatest teacher. But we've never mm. really looked at it from that that lens, you know. Yeah. And one of the interesting things about food is, you know, if someone's got a problem with, you know, drinking, for example, then they can avoid going to the bar and hanging out in the clubs and stuff, you know, where people go to have a drink. But you can't avoid eating. It's true. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. You know, every day. Yeah. And so I think it's a a greater challenge for people. Um, And because, you know, it's about society's view on it as well. You know, that somehow you're weak or, or if yeah. you're, you know, I, you know, I catch myself looking at people um, and I'm always looking at people and, and, and looking at what's my story about them. And it's interesting when you look at people and you start to judge them and, and where you come from to say, you know, well, they must be weak or uh, lack of self-control that they end up the way they are. But we don't realize that so many people have got, you know, so many unresolved issues. Everyone's got yeah. a different story. And so until you get to that underlying core issue of what's led to the behavior that then manifested on the physical body, um, I think people are only working with a Band-Aid approach. And that's why I love your work about why you really take the time to get to know each person and who they are and why they are the way they are, what makes them tick, and then offering them, you know, solutions for empowered living, how to really get a handle on why they do what they do and give them, you know, some alternatives, you know, like the fellow with needing a break, and to give them some healthy alternatives. Because I think that's the problem. If people knew what to do, they would do it. But yeah. they don't know. You know, you only know what you know. And so this is why I think, that, you know, the world needs people like you uh, and Tarun and I and, and, you know, and Ariana, the work she's doing. Uh, it really, when people need to be coached, you know, and this is where I think it's, as you say, you're so passionate about it and it's your, your soul's calling, it's your life's purpose. And, and I think, you know, each and, each and every one of us here, that's one thing we all have in common. Um, but it's really getting to understand you know, human beings and, and what makes them tick and also the human potential, you know, for sure to hold that energy for them, to see the potential that we can see for them, you know? Yeah. To know what's possible. You know, I, I see so many people that struggle with weight and they've been around the diet block. They've tried every <laughs> different way of trying to lose weight. And often the missing piece is, is that nobody's ever asked them, at what point in your life did you begin to gain this weight? And was there any major stress, trauma, or conflict going on for you at the time of the manifestation of the weight? And right there, the answer that they give right there is where the work lies. Because then we need to go in and resolve that stress, that conflict, that trauma. And when we do, the physiological body begins to shift. So then all of that good nutritional intention that they've they've invested in finally begins to work or the supplements they're taking finally begin, uh, gets absorbed, right? But until they resolve <clears throat> that conflict, it's stuck in the physiology. 
And so our weight often is very symbolic. It's very, it has a metaphor. It's got a story. And as you said, Steve, we often judge it, right? We hate on it. We judge it. You're this, you're that. But within it, there is this beautiful story that needs to unfold. There is a, a challenge that needs to be resolved and healed. And and the possibility of what comes beyond that is is huge. Yeah. That's why I like to say the issues are in the tissues. Yes. You know? 100% yeah. they are. Yeah. Um, and we and don't often associate that with weight. We might yeah. do that with pain. But yes. with, with that weight that's difficult to get off, for example, it's, uh, you know, that's really the issues are in the tissues there too. Right. And then with pain too, feeling is healing, right? Mm. So it's about again, um, um, checking in. I have an objection coming through my mind as we're listening to all of this uh, in a sense of what every man might, might be thinking. Uh, And that is that, and I want to get your spin on this or your view in the past, for instance, even myself, when I've gone into some wellness program and I've even been able to invest in the core program, but uh, let's take keto, for example, okay? I mean, in a sense, uh, we won't name it as one or the other, but um, it's very onerous financially. I mean, the, uh, there's like these industries that build around, oh yeah, you wanna get well and start start eating healthier and better? Well, guess what? Get that second mortgage because that's what it's going to cost. And I mean, and I'm, I'm fully aware that we have a hierarchy of values. And if you value something, you'll invest in it. And what's the long term effect. But I just want to get your spin on that. How much of the industries that have sprung up around um, supplementation, self back, it's strange to me that something when it's unprocessed costs more than the processed one, right? Because you think there's less done with it, it should be a Uh, more accessible. So just want to get your thoughts on it more than, I don't, there's no right or wrong. I'm just curious about that thought. I would do it, but you know, like I can't afford $8 for a loaf of uh, bread. Right. Yeah. I mean, listen, there, there's no question. I will not deny that whole food and superfoods and organic foods, they cost more that there, I'm not going to deny that in one moment or good quality supplements, great quality essential oils. They all come at a higher valued price. Um, but again, I ask, but where do you want to play in the world? And do you value your body enough to invest in those things that will give you the longevity that you desire to do what you love in your life. And so what is it in your life that you're already spending money on that's taking away from that longevity, that's Mm -hmm. devaluing your health, that's wasting time and energy, that's not really truly fulfilling you, et cetera. And when you, when you turn it that way and you help link you know, the financial cost of being well to the things that are most important in people's lives, they start to see the value in investing there. You know, so if somebody has a super high value on their kids and their family and seeing their grandkids and and being that, that vital grandparent, then how will spending more time and investing in a coach and investing in good quality food and supplements and wellness practices, how will that allow you to be the greatest, most vibrant, energetic grandparent that can share your love, wisdom and time for as long as you'd like? And when you think about it that way, I don't think you're really thinking too much about. Hmm, yeah, so I, I so what that, I'm hearing right? here is there's an educational and an awareness, self-awareness building piece there. I mean, I know grandparents there who who have spent ten thousand dollars on grandkids for a go kart program because right. I I went what for a go kart? Like I guess go karts have changed since my day, but I'm like you. There's this whole very fancy system, and yet you know um, they would think twice about. You know, not in a negative way, but it's just that educational piece of valuing what it is that you're investing in and how do you frame it. So I think it's important to address that because I could feel that question bubbling up. 
Well, and I spend a lot of time with my clients on value determination. Um, You know, as a a student and facilitator of of Dr. Demartini's work, uh, we talk a lot about values. And as in my 90-minute intake, that is a piece of my intake where I'm truly understanding what people value in their life, what's most important to them. And then we begin to link their nutrition to that. Because here's the thing, right? People go and they have a goal of weight loss. Weight loss isn't a value. Weight loss is a goal. And so you'll eat well or spend money on a program for a period of time, but that will fade out because you're not waking up every day. The first thing in your mind being like, I can't wait to lose weight today, you know, (laughs) but you're waking up every day inspired to go do what you love. Right. So whether that's family, whether that's in your work, whether that's making money, whether that's going to socialize, whether that's going to spend time in nature, whatever it is that you love to do the most, that's what you value. So we want to link your nutrition and your wellness goals and even your weight loss goals, if that's that's what you're looking for, to what you value the most in your life. And here's the interesting thing. When we're not living in alignment with those values, mm-hmm. that's often when we manifest illness. That's often yeah. when we eat emotionally. And that's often when we cannot lose weight. In fact, we're gaining it. So a big piece of the soulful nourishment work that I do is making sure that we are living in alignment to what we value most and always linking our food to fulfilling those values. Beautiful. So we have inspired eating. Yeah. That's called inspired eating. Yeah. You've given a whole new dimension to the meaning of the word. Let's have some soul food. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like, right. Uh, and yeah, because it's it's really the awareness and the understanding and the reframe here that I think is so critical. And sometimes some programs uh, will get you into something and they just tell you, well, if you're serious, you should do this. And to me, that's more of that kind of, you know, disciplinary and, and you don't know what's best for you. And and I do. And, and, and you know, it's, it's kind of a guilt based rather than an understanding and an insp- inspiration from within right. me. Yeah, exactly. So, I just wanted to address that. I thought it was important. Yes. Anytime we want to change our health or optimize our nutrition, whatever it may be, it must come from an inspired place or it will just become a short-term instant gratification failing opportunity. Right. (laughs) Whereas if we have the inspiration, it becomes this long-term success. And that's really what ultimately we want to do. We don't want to wake up every day, you know, hoping to fail at something we've invested in, you know. Exactly. So as an entrepreneur and on my next budget here, honestly, if I was to be really true to myself and my goals and what I want to achieve and why and how I want to enjoy, as Steve said, the fruits of the labor, then I need to have a column that budgets in my well-being as as serious a part as that as the new laptop or um, the subscription yeah. or the social media account or whatever else we say, oh my gosh, no, you know, I don't have this. I can't have a business. Okay. But where do we actually write into the script my my health nutrition and really uh, the food, you know, the, the, the food that is life basically. Are, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's not- really valuing all seven areas of your life and, and placing equal importance on that um, because they're all interconnected. Yeah. Oh, you know, they really are. So yeah. Amy, we're at the, we're at the hour mark now. Um, <laughs> do you have some sort of little takeaway in between moment, <laughs> a little aha moment that you can leave our viewers and listeners with. Yes, um, I think Steve, you said it at the very beginning. One of our most important relationships in life is with food, and I really want to reiterate that point because we truly are in relationship with food every single day of our lives. We often eat five or six times a day from the moment of our conception to the time of our physical death, we eat. And so what we eat, no doubt, influences how we feel, how we function, how we behave, the energy that we put out into the world. But also within that relationship, we need to give it time We need to give it space. We need to give it care, explore it, learn from it, because it truly is our greatest teacher. 
it, it, it's a it's a form of expression of who we are. And so the question becomes is how do you want that relationship to be? Do you want it to be one of love and nourishment and pleasure and joy and understanding? Or do you want it to be one of confliction, stress, hate, dislike, and just uncaring? And you get to choose that. And the key is, is just if you're going to choose to be the conscious eater, then fasten your seatbelt and get in relationship with yourself and with food because it's going to be one of the most beautiful rides and journeys that you'll take in this physical expression that we get to live in. Wow. I'm inspired. That's yeah. just <laughs> absolutely right on Amy. Thank you so much for really sharing the, 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 the core and the source of, of, of your passion. I see it as such a passion and it's so on purpose here and that's what makes it powerful. And uh, so I, you know, to, to, to spread these seeds of wisdom into the world and give um, uh, each one of us an opportunity to take it under consideration, right? And then from there we can uh, reach out uh, as appropriate. Uh, you know, we can never know anything for anybody, but we certainly know what has worked here and what hasn't. And I think that's the, the joy of this platform is to be able to constantly and continually learn from each other and be inspired. Mm -hmm. And uh, so tonight, late after a long day when I'm crunching, <laughs> uh, you will be with me, Amy, in spirit for sure. There you go. That little voice, that little yes. voice there, right? Yes. Right? And, and, uh, and yeah, because that awareness, that little piece of awareness can inspire me to go, yeah, you can have this. Just be aware of what is it giving you? Why do you want it? And and in what context? And can you really yeah. be present with it and, and, and celebrate it and and so it just it just brings us around to another whole place. And I think when we can begin to be kinder to ourselves, that's when we can be kinder to each other. And uh, I, I think you've given us, if I can pardon the, you know, I have to say it, Steve, you know, I mean, they warned me to behave today. But <laughs> I, I want to say that you've given us a lot of food for thought. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. And thank you just for creating the space to share the wisdom and to have this conversation that's so often left out in the field of nutrition. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been very nourishing. Wonderful. We look forward to hopefully seeing you again soon. I, I think there's so much more to talk about, Amy. You bet. For sure. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Catch you again. Bye for now. Om Shanti. We trust you found practical value in this podcast and will enthusiastically share it with others in your circle. And if you are so moved, leave us a review or write a post on social tagging hashtag Chai Chat Podcast and we will show our appreciation. Promise. Tarun Puri and Steve Harvey welcome you to join us for a Chai Chat at all of our live events and more. Connect with us with your questions, topic suggestions, and reviews at info at chaichatpodcast.com.